You know when you search for something on Netflix, what you get is only a fraction of what they really have? The streaming service actually has more than 18,000 titles globally, but only about 6,000 of those are available in the good old US of A. That means you're missing out on literally thousands of great shows. Unless, of course, you use ExpressVPN. ExpressVPN is an app that lets you change your online location, protecting your devices from unwanted snooping and allowing you to control where streaming services and other websites think you're located. There are over 100 different locations to choose from, which means you have access to thousands of new shows and movies no matter where you live. This doesn't just work with Netflix, it works with Disney+, Hulu, Max, a UK streamer called BBC iPlayer, and more. I was on a work trip in the UK during the final season of Game of Thrones, and I tried logging into my HBO account to watch a new episode, but the technology wouldn't let me because of geoblocking. And I wish I had this app at that moment, because I now realize how incredibly easy it is to work around that problem. Here's a more recent example. It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia is not streaming on Netflix in the US, but I just fired up the episode where Dennis tries to have a peaceful mental health day and technology keeps interrupting his plans. All I had to do was open ExpressVPN, connect to a UK server, refresh Netflix, and the show just popped up. It's super easy. I've also heard good things about that show called Billions, but I've never been a Showtime subscriber, so I've never seen it. But it's actually available right now on Netflix in South Korea, and with ExpressVPN, it took five seconds to switch over and start checking it out. With ExpressVPN, you get high-quality streaming from devices like your phone, laptop, tablet, and TV. And crucially, it protects your privacy and security to keep your information safe from hackers. Stop missing out on great TV and get thousands of new shows with ExpressVPN. We got them to give you all three extra months free when you use our special link, expressvpn.com slash slash film. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash slash film to get three extra months completely free. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. This year has gone by incredibly quickly, but it's always nice to pause and take stock. What's something you're proud of in 2024 so far? What's something you still want to accomplish this year? I know I'm guilty of falling into a routine and not always thinking about the bigger picture, but as the great Ferris Bueller once said, life moves pretty fast. If you don't stop and look around once in a while, you can miss it. So it's crucial to take a moment to celebrate your wins and make adjustments for the rest of the year. Therapy can help you contextualize your progress and set achievable goals for the next six months. As you surely know by now, it's not only for people who have experienced major trauma. Therapy is helpful in all kinds of ways, including learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. If you've been considering trying therapy, check out BetterHelp. It's fully online and was specifically designed to be flexible and customizable to your schedule. To get started, just fill out a brief questionnaire that matches you up with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Take a moment. Visit BetterHelp.com slash FilmDaily today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com, slash, Film Daily. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Slash Film Daily for Thursday, August 11th, 2022. On today's episode of the show, we are going to gather around the virtual water cooler and talk about what we've been up to. My name is Ben Pearson. I'm an editor at SlashFilm.com, and I'm joined on today's episode by Slash Film editor, Brad Oman. Hey, that's me. All right, Brad, let's get right into it. We haven't really been doing much or reading much, so let's jump into what we've been watching. What have you been checking out recently? I watched Prey, which is great. (laughs) What is Prey, for those who may not know? Uh, It is the prequel to Eat, Pray, Love. Uh, Really hones in on that middle part. uh, Very serious about religion and prayer with Julia Roberts. No, Uh, it is a prequel to Predator, uh, the 1987 sci-fi action movie starring Arnold Schwarzenegger, where uh, he's pitted against this extremely deadly uh, hunter from across the stars. 
and this one takes place uh, roughly 250 years earlier, back in uh, 1719, and follows a young uh, Comanche woman who uh, is desperately trying to prove herself to her tribe as a warrior. Uh, and she ends up encountering uh, a predator who has landed on Earth uh, and is uh, looking for a worthy opponent, essentially, on, on this planet. Uh, it's directed by Dan Trachtenberg, uh, who did 10 Cloverfield Lane. Uh, he's been a longtime friend of uh, Slash Film, but that doesn't influence our opinions because we are professionals. Um, but uh, thankfully, uh, I'm happy to say uh, I think this movie is great. Uh, it is easily and by far the best uh installment of the Predator franchise since the original uh, feels right on par uh, with that 1987 movie. It's uh, it's clean. It's uh, it's simple. Uh, it has some great action sequences. Uh, Amber Midthunder as the, the main character is fantastic. The, uh, the new design for this Predator is very cool. Um, it feels in some ways a little bit uh, maybe even more gnarly than the original version. Um, there is some some questionable uh, CGI here and there. There's a few shots of the cloaked predator that don't look so great. And also a few CG animals that uh, I, I wish they would have figured out a better way to do or had some more money to improve upon. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this was a, it's, it's a very cool movie and I, I, I liked it a lot. You mentioned the simplicity, Brad, and I have to say that when I first watched this movie, when it was over, I kind of felt myself going like, Oh, that's it. Like I was a little bit disappointed on first uh, first watch because I loved 10 Cloverfield Lane so much. And I thought that movie did a really great job of sort of escalating in a, in an interesting way. I don't, I'm not going to like spoil what happens in that movie, but um, I don't know. It felt like it took a relatively small premise and then sort of um, blew it up and, and sort of made you wonder about what the world looked like outside of the edges of the frame. And I was hoping that Prey would do something similar and it kind of doesn't, it kind of keeps its scope relatively contained just to this uh, essentially incident, this this like hunt, for lack of a better term. And um, so after first watching it, I was kind of like, huh, okay, that's, you know, all right. And then like in the days afterwards, I came to, as I thought about it more and more, I came to appreciate that simplicity about it, especially because, as I, I think I just talked about this with Chris on an episode yesterday, that like modern blockbuster filmmaking or action genre filmmaking, whatever you want to call it, is often so needlessly convoluted. Yeah. Um, and so I, especially in comparison with some of the stuff that we've seen recently, I, I came to really appreciate praise sort of stripped down sensibilities. Um, but I was wondering if you, if you had like, you know, extra high expectations going into this movie and like what, how you thought this film like, uh, matched up to those or, or didn't or whatever. No, I didn't really have high expectations. You know, I, I was hoping for something good simply because uh, I think Dan Trachtenberg has proven to be an interesting filmmaker to to keep an eye on. Um, and I, I think the, the idea was just cool itself of taking the concept of Predator and setting it back, uh, you know, during a time when there wasn't these this a lot of weapons technology to make people more skilled uh, at being a worthy opponent to the Predator. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that by itself I thought was cool. But as we've seen, there are plenty of Predator movies that suck. Um, <laughs> yes. You know, and, and and even as somebody who, you know, uh, enjoyed what the, the Predator had to offer in recent years, that movie's still, you know, pretty messy yeah. uh but this one is just it's very very concise uh it knows the story it's trying to tell it does it in a in a, a deceptively simple way even you know I, um, it just has some great character moments in it 
um, a solid ensemble cast, and it just it brings it brings it back to its roots. It feels like um, like a reverse legacy sequel in a way, I guess you could say. Um, but but yeah, I I think that this is. I, I hope that they can do more stuff like this. Um, you know, whether it's a sequel to this or like uh, a movie set during you know the the samurai era, or, mm-hmm. or uh, I, I just did a podcast. Uh, my my friend Ben, uh, my, our my Go Flix Yourself podcast host, did a podcast with Aaron Newworth. Uh, he has a podcast called Out Now with Aaron and Abe, and we talked about other ideas. And we thought it would be so cool to see like a World War Two era one where like uh, a you know platoon of U.S. soldiers get sent to, sent to like a, a small Nazi you know, installment and they find mm. that all the Nazis have been killed by a predator. And then all of a sudden they're facing off with, they have no idea what this is. <laughs> yeah. That would be great, man. Uh, so, awesome. so, so yeah, so I, I hope they do cool, cool stuff like that. Cause I think there's a lot of potential there. Definitely. And, and Amber mid thunder for sure is a, is a full blown star. And I also want to shout out uh, Dakota Beavers who plays uh, Tabe, her character's brother in the, in the movie. Yeah. Um, because he, I talked to him uh, in, an, in an interview for slash film and he, uh, his character like I don't want I don't want to give away like exactly what happens. This is the predator this is a predator movie. You know that a lot of people are gonna get effed up in this film, but uh his character really like does a number on the predator in, in an action scene in a way that I don't think any other character in any other predator movie has. I think he, he has like the highest um, I don't know, success hit ratio, whatever you want to call it. Um, where he just like he's riding on a horse and just like throws spears and just sort of goes off on the predator in a really cool way. So uh, shout out to him as well. Um, okay, what else have you been watching? Brett? I went to see Bullet Train in theaters. Uh, this is a new movie from David Leach, who is uh, one half of the uh, duo who made John Wick so great. Uh, and David Leach also directed Deadpool 2. And uh, he's a, a very accomplished stuntman and choreographer in his own right. And uh, this is basically like a big ensemble uh, action comedy that follows Brad Pitt as this assassin who's uh, basically trying to get out of the game. This is the, like the one last job he's, he's doing reluctantly because somebody else apparently couldn't do it. And he ends up on this bullet train trying to receive retrieve uh, a briefcase full of money. But of course, that briefcase has the eyes of a bunch of other assassins who are on the train, played by Aaron Taylor Johnson, Brian Tyree Henry, Joey King, uh, and uh, just a, a cavalcade of uh, great stars. And uh, I thought this movie was fine. Um, <laughs> it's a it's a it's a solid premise. It has uh, an interesting array of characters. Um, but for me, like, I feel like the movie kept getting held up on trying too hard, uh, to be funny. Um, and it's not necessarily the actor's fault because the actors do a good job of making like the banter, you know, have a natural flow and like, it's, you know, it's not terrible, but I feel like it needed maybe a comedy writer to punch things up and make it actually land a bit more firmly. Cause there's some stuff that just, uh, isn't all that funny. And I feel like it might've worked a little bit better if it had a little bit more of a heightened style, uh, because it's it's right on the verge of action that is um, not entirely like it's it's not realistic, but it's not unrealistic enough to really feel heightened. And I feel like the movie maybe could have benefited from being more along the lines of like a uh, a Scott Pilgrim or maybe even like uh, a Speed Racer or something like that. I, mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, but there, there's there's some interesting twists and turns. Uh, a couple surprising cameos. Um, but there's like, there's some weird choices and I, I I can't necessarily complain about them specifically without spoiling things, but there are certain characters and certain details that are revealed that feel like they, they should have been bigger and more exciting. But then when they happen, 
and certain scenes and revelations are made, you're just kind of like, huh, okay. Uh, and then, you know, you move, move on. And so, uh, yeah, n- not a great movie, not terrible, but like, yeah, I, I was, I was mostly entertained while I was watching it, but I, like afterwards, I'm just thinking like, I don't necessarily think I would ever go out of my way to like watch it again. You yeah. know? Yeah. I saw the first, I think 15 minutes at, when I was at uh CinemaCon and like didn't crack a smile the whole time. And there's supposed to be a lot of jokey sequences and all of that in there and i think what i've settled on is i just really don't like it when david leach tries to make things funny um because he did this in Hobbs and shaw and i did not i was just i'm I'm not on the same page as him comedically and i know that there probably are a lot of people who are um but i just you know personally you know i i he directed deadpool too as you mentioned i don't i i think i hated deadpool too i thought the first one was fine and just absolutely despised the second one really hated Hobson Shaw. And, um, and so I think he's in much better form when he just, uh, does like straight ahead action, like atomic blonde as sort of, <laughs> I mean, talk about a, a movie that is like, uh, needlessly convoluted in terms of like exactly what the hell is going on and who's double or triple crossing who at any time or whatever. But like the action in that movie and the tone of it is much more successful for me anyway. So, um, yeah, I, I wonder if there's, uh, if David Leach like has the option of making something funny or just like going back to that sort of straight ahead, no nonsense uh, type of action stuff, I would love to see him do the latter. But yeah, because I, th- I think he's better. Like I don't because I actually I, I like Deadpool too. I don't think it's as good as the first one, uh, but like I think that, that it benefits from having people who know how to write comedy. You know, you have uh, Rhett, Rhett Miller and Paul Wernick, and then you also have Ryan Reynolds, and they're very successful with writing writing good comedy. And Leach tries to inject comedy into his movies, but, like, I feel like he needs, like, a genuine comedy writer to really make it so that it's 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 funny and just not, like, you know, an action guy who thinks this is funny. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, what else have you been checking out? Uh, I watched Columbus, uh, which is a movie by Coconada, who is the director of After Yang, which is one of my favorite movies of the the year so far. And uh, I didn't catch this when it was on the film festival circuit back in, I think it was 2017. Um, and this movie stars John Cho and Haley Lee Richardson, and it follows uh, these two characters in Columbus, Indiana, which uh, this movie taught me that Columbus, Indiana, which is only like a few hours away from me, uh, is apparently this bastion of modernism, modernist architecture, which I had no, no idea about. <laughs> uh, so I want to go there and check out all these these scenes because that was actually shot in Columbus with all these cool buildings. But uh, the story follows uh, John Cho, who is in Columbus, Indiana, because his father has had uh, some kind of medical issue and might be on the verge of dying. Uh, and so he's kind of stuck there dealing with it. He has an estranged relationship with his father, so it's not comfortable for him. Uh, and then he meets Haley Lee Richardson, who is this uh, high school graduate who's kind of uh, trying to figure out her life. She likes living in Columbus, but she has so much potential to do more. She has a love for architecture, uh, and she's, but she's struggling with this opportunity she has to potentially go to college and do something more with her life. And so it's it, the formula itself is very uh, indie film festival familiar. You know, it's these two characters who meet each other and like help them learn about themselves and figure out that, what they can do with their lives to make it better. But uh, Kogan Anna, man, he, he knows how to like craft these incredibly uh, composed shots. They're gorgeous visuals. Uh, and just the, the dynamic between these characters is always so great um, in his, between these two movies as well. And like, you can, you really can feel some of the similar, uh, you know, relationships uh, style and like themes in Columbus that you see in even more so developed in after Yang. Uh, so mm-hmm. I, I like this movie a lot and I it just, um, I really can't wait to see uh, the next movie he does. 
Yeah, definitely. This this one's great. I know it's a it's a big favorite of uh, HTs, and I, I really loved it as well. I think it's like it's one of the most quiet movies that I can remember, and it's like it's quiet in a really really great way. I have not seen Marcel the Shell with shoes on yet, but it's the way that people are talking about that movie reminds me a little bit of Columbus, where it's just like one of those things where you one of those movie watching experiences that you have where you can like go in and just sort of like uh, settle into it almost like the movie is a warm blanket being thrown over you kind of thing. Um, Even though, as you mentioned, it does deal with like some pretty, uh, you know, serious subject matter. It's just, there's something about um, feeling like you're in the hands of, of a, uh, really like a master filmmaker somebody who has like you know perfect um a perfect grasp on the craft of filmmaking it's it's really impressive stuff especially for his first feature so yeah i like the I, I like the way that he he lingers on silences and just lets you sit with these characters and like you, you you're really allowed to focus on like their their face and like the emotions they're expressing without saying anything he really yeah. lets his lets his actor shine definitely i i wonder if um i forgot to look up where uh, after Yang is, if it's still streaming, uh, I know that it was on, they had to deal with Showtime when it was un- released earlier this year. So I wonder if it's there, but yeah, I'm pretty um, sure it's still on Showtime, but it, it's also available, uh, to, to rent now, I think, cause it's also on Blu-ray, uh, as well. So, okay. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. So definitely if, if you guys have not, uh, seen after Yang, uh, as Brad mentioned, it's one of his favorites. It's, it's probably like hovering around the number 10 slot for me. And um, if you want to watch Columbus, uh, I watched it on Canopy, which is the free streaming service that you can get if you have a library card. Perfect. Okay, cool. Uh, What else have you been watching? Uh, I watched The Scout, um, which is a 90s comedy starring Albert Brooks and Brendan Fraser. Uh, I had recently uh, done a dive into some Albert Brooks movies, and this one I noticed was streaming, so I decided to check it out. And this isn't as full... Uh, of an Albert Brooks movie as the other ones are. He he only uh, co-wrote this one and stars in it, but he didn't direct it. It's directed by Michael Ritchie. Uh, and it follows this. Albert Brooks is this baseball scout who uh, he starts off by uh, discovering this uh, hopeful talent played by Michael Rappaport for the Yankees. But when the time comes for him to pitch, he totally bails and like can't handle the pressure. And so Albert Brooks' character is on the outs by the Yankees manager. Uh, played by Lane Smith. And so he sends him to to Mexico, basically on a completely hopeless trip to find people where he knows they're not going to find anybody uh, that that they're looking for. But he stumbles upon Brandon Frazier playing uh, this, you know, American guy in his 20s or um, early 20s, I think. Uh, And he's playing baseball down in Mexico. And he's like, revered basically as like this baseball god down there he's incredible an incredible pitcher uh he's an amazing batter and he's just like the perfect kind of player and so albert brooks brings him back to the states uh but they find out that brendan fraser maybe has uh some unresolved trauma from his childhood that makes him uh again very nervous to play and so uh there he's forced to take him to uh, uh diane west as a therapist to try and work out some of these issues uh, and so it's this like thing of whether or not he's going to be able to pull it off. I was expecting this to be more of a traditional baseball movie, but there's so much time spent in the in-between of finding the player and then and then uh, him actually playing baseball that it's really just this two-hander between Albert Brooks and Brendan Fraser, uh, who are kind of like just like forced to like deal with each other's eccentricities and desperation. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's very it's it's funny. Uh, it's um it's definitely has a very '90s comedy style to it. But uh, Albert Brooks and Brendan Fraser made for uh, a fun duo. Brendan Fraser kind of playing 
you know, this uh, young, uh, naive kind of baseball player is kind of going with the flow, uh, but has, you know, these nerves and Albert Brooks just, you know, really just looking for a win uh, and being <laughs> uh, as dry and sarcastic as can be. So, uh, yeah, it was it's a it's a very fun 90s comedy. How would you compare this to the Adam Sandler movie Hustle? Have you seen that yet? I haven't watched Hustle yet, but from what I've seen, I think Hustle's a little bit more dramatic and the, the scout is definitely going more for like a, it has a more comedic feel to it. Okay. Well, speaking of comedies, uh, another movie that you watched uh, is, well, it's, it's a classified a comedy. I'm curious if you thought it was actually funny, Brad. Oh boy. Uh, you know, this was a, this was a rough one. Um, so I, I ended up watching this because on my go flix yourself podcast, we, we've started this new thing where uh, we, me and my co-host Ben and our, our new co-host uh, Nate, we assign movies to each other to watch that we haven't seen that like we're surprised that the other person hasn't seen. Uh, and I, I was given Rat Race just simply because it was fresh on their minds because there was some kind of reference made and I was like, oh, I haven't seen Rat Race. And they were like, they're like, what? And I was like, Is, does it really matter? Uh, and some people really swear by this movie. It's a 2001 ensemble comedy that's basically like trading places meets it's a mad 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 world or cannonball run where uh, a bunch of these people get roped into doing this cross-country race where if they win uh they'll get two million dollars that's locked away in this uh, locker uh, across the country and there's all these rich people who are betting on uh who will get there and they're also doing these like weird nonsensical bets in between um and it's basically like a series of uh, vignettes of like slapstick comedy road trip elements featuring uh, John Lovitz, Whoopi Goldberg, Brecken Meyer, Amy Smart, uh, Rowan Atkinson, and it is extremely slapstick silly. Uh, it's directed by Jerry Zucker, who's one third of the Zucker Abram Zucker trio that gave us Airplane and the Naked Gun. Um, but this movie is nowhere near as good as those movies. It's like it's Looney Tunes level action in a uh, a live action world, and it's just stupid <laughs> it's like like it's just bad honestly the, the only parts that i found funny were the parts with john lovitz who who is very funny in this movie but everything else is just so dumb and juvenile and i just i could not get into it and i don't understand anybody who is like oh my gosh i love this movie and it's like no man go watch it again because it's it's bad <laughs> yeah uh the only thing i remember about this I, I think this was actually one of the first reviews i ever wrote brad i, I was trying oh. to find it before we started today to see if i could like link it in the show notes or something but for my high school um newspaper I reviewed Rat Race, and uh, yeah, it's it. It is definitely rough. The one um, positive memory I have of it is uh, that subplot that you mentioned about the rich people doing like absurd bets in between all of the the sort of zany cross country action. I think, and and please correct me if, my, if I'm wrong because I've not seen this movie in 20 years. But there's a moment where uh, people are hanging from a um, <laughs> like a uh, what do you call it like a where the windows are oh, well, like, a curtain rod. Yeah. Curtain rod. Yeah, exactly. And, um, basically like the rich people are just betting on how long they can stay up there before they fall down. Yeah. Yeah. They've gotten all the maids to come in and they're just, they're whole, hanging by their arms and like, and, and what's so weird is like, it's only something that's really happening in the background. It's not even made to be a prominent part of the movie. <laughs> yeah. That is the image that I remember the most from, from that movie, which I think tells you what I thought was funny at the time and probably still do now. Um, because all the other stuff, as you mentioned, is just like so over the top and sort of like try hard and like the worst, uh, 
like cringeworthy way, that was actually a moment that, that stuck out to me as being like, oh, that's actually like a pretty uh, humorous concept. So, <laughs> anyway, uh, <laughs> rat race. Yeah, I don't, I don't, it sounds like you don't recommend it, Brad. Um, no, I, seen, I really don't. Have you seen It's a Mad, 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 Mad World? Because that was, I saw that movie when I was probably 10 years old and have not seen it since. Um, but that one was the thing that at the time I remember comparing it to and it, it felt like so similar to that exact formula almost it was like it was almost a remake but not quite yeah i actually haven't seen it because uh i i have i've had it recorded for a while uh but the reason i haven't is because it's a surprisingly long movie um like it's it's like two and a half maybe even close to three hours i think mm. uh so i haven't sat down sat down to watch it but like i'm you know just just aware of like the the concept of it and you know how how it's been like readapted over the years into various yeah. race formulas yeah, I'm curious to know what you think about that, especially in comparison to Rat Race, because I feel like you're going to see those those similarities uh, laid pretty bare there. So, yeah. um, okay. Uh, what was the last thing that you watched? Uh, I watched Mike Judge's Beavis and Butthead. The first two episodes of the series revival uh, are available. Um, they, uh, I believe they premiered on Comedy Central. Uh, if that's not true, then they're just on Paramount Plus, which is where I watched them anyway. Uh, and man, uh, this... Serious Revival is just like right on the money. It feels like the show never left. Um, and that's the that comes after, you know, Beavis and Butthead do the universe, uh, accomplish much of the same thing. It felt like it had the same tone as Beavis and Butthead do America. And it really brought these, you know, stupid 90s characters into the modern age with without like making them any different, just kind of like putting them in a different time era and just still making them uh, as dim-witted and hilarious as ever. And the show formula uh, goes back to it. its roots. It's these, you know, there's two short stories involving Beavis and Butthead. Sometimes the characters uh, on their own, there's one specific one that's just with Beavis. And then uh, as interstitials, while, while those stories unfold, you also get to watch Beavis and Butthead as they watch music videos. And uh, this time as an update, YouTube videos. And, uh, man, those parts are just incredible. They're every bit as good as they were. They, um, they're focusing on modern music videos, which is a lot of fun. Uh, they, they do BTS in one, which is hilarious. Um, <laughs> and then they watch a, a YouTube video with ASMR. And that is like, that took the cake for me as like the funniest moment in these new, like watching Beavis and Butthead watch ASMR. Uh, like it is, it's hilarious. Like I'm just, I'm genuinely surprised and very happy to see that Mike judge was able to bring these characters back. And like, it just feels like the exact same show we watched so many years ago. Amazing. Uh, man, I don't have Paramount plus, but every time something like this gets brought up, that's exclusive to that platform. I'm like, ah, oh, man, am I going to have to subscribe to this thing just to watch, you know, uh, I guess there, there are a couple things that are just on there and I'm like, man, you're making it real tough on me. Paramount plus. But. Yeah. If I were you, I'd probably wait because it seems like they're, they're doing weekly releases, I think, because only the first two episodes were available that um, were premiered on August 4th, I think. So okay. maybe wait until they have like a bit of a, a buildup, but it's uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely worth it. Gotcha. Uh, okay, so I've just been watching two things. I watched a movie called Man of the West from 1958. It is a, uh, a part of the Criterion uh, Channel's um, Western Noir uh, series and or collection, I guess. And the stars Gary Cooper, and it's directed by Anthony Mann. And um, the basic premise is uh, Cooper plays this guy who's like a straight arrow, uh, you know, nice guy who's trying to go across the West to... Uh, find to hire a school teacher um, for his 
real small town. He's like the representative of his community. And he gets on a train and uh, to head across the country and the train is robbed. And um, basically he and two other passengers are sort of like left behind as this train uh, was like robbed and stolen and, and disappears. And so slowly over the course of the movie, you learn that uh, Gary Cooper, who's this supposed to be, you know, real nice, like stand up, um, you know, member of, of this small community actually used to be a ruthless outlaw. And he is sort of like forced back into that way of life when he realizes that the people who uh, held up the train and are, are trying to, um, you know, make big scores in the area are actually members of his old gang. So um, it's a really cool movie. It's, it's, uh, it sort of plays on the Gary Cooper persona a little bit because he was in high noon famously. I think that's probably the most famous, you know, the thing that he is most known for is, is his work in high noon where he's like this um, very, I mean, it's, he's kind of playing like that straight arrow character, that guy who, um, you know, doesn't, it doesn't bend when everybody else would. He, he, is like the, the, uh, I don't know, the, the moral center of that story. And that was in 1952, I think. So this is like six years later. And, uh, it's just cool to see him. Um, it, it's almost like a prototype for like, um, uh, for unforgiven or something, you know, like Clint Eastwood, um, you know, being this, uh, th- th- yeah, that sort of archetypical type of character. So, uh, if you're interested in checking out, uh, a solid Western from the fifties, man of the West, you could definitely do much, much worse if you wanted to. Uh, and then, um, let's see, what else? Oh, I watched Men. Have you seen Men, the the, the uh, Alice Garland movie that came out earlier this year? I have not. Uh, I did get it on uh, Blu-ray. It got sent to me, but I haven't taken the time to watch it yet. Okay, so uh, Rory Kinnear is incredible in this movie. Um, he plays basically every man in this small village that Jesse Buckley, who's the female lead, the, the protagonist of the story, she goes and she, you know, something ha- terrible happened in her past, and she goes out to this rural uh, English village and uh, basically like encounters several different men, and all of them are played by Rory Kinnear, and they are all various levels of menacing and weird and uh yeah strange and otherworldly and all sorts of bizarre things um and i just wanted to give a shout out to him because he uh he does really incredible work here i know him mostly as like the guy who plays tanner in the bond movies which is like such a nothing role it's just like the the whatever you want to call it the the attache to m like he's just like an assistant sort of bureaucrat type of character but uh he really like lets go here and and uh, does some really interesting stuff jesse buckley is great as usual um it's it almost feels like uh unfair to her to to not talk about her uh because she's just so good like she's just consistently ever since i saw her in uh, wild rose a few years ago she just like hasn't missed um so she she's uh, one of the best sort of young up-and-coming uh, actors working today i think and um yeah th- this movie i i loved annihilation which was alex garland's uh last movie that came out in 2018 i think and this one is not quite on that level but i really was with this movie all the way until the very end and then the, like the last 10 or 15 minutes happens and uh, it threw me for a huge loop, Brad. So I'm not going to say what or why, but um, maybe we can have a conversation about it after you watch it. Because I would love to know what your read on what the heck is going on in the last few minutes of this movie is. Um, but yeah, the the vibrancy with which the the cinematography is captured, the um, the, the score, the sound design, everything is like really top notch here. Uh, and I was just like completely compelled and and like in, in the parlance of um, 
the HBO Max Discovery earnings call. This was Lean In Entertainment for me, Brad. So, all right. Uh, well, yeah, I'm, I'm curious to know what you thought. Um, I'll have to so, watch it soon. Yeah, Men is, uh, I believe it's available to rent or, or uh, buy right now. I just rented it on Amazon for 5 or $6 or whatever it was. So, um, Okay, what have you been eating, Brad? Let's transition into that second. Tried a couple new coffees. Uh, first of all, there's a new donut strip coffee flavor uh, that is Twix, the candy bar. Uh, Twix is one of my favorite candy bars, and uh, I was excited to try this one because the donut shop coffee flavor uh, based on Snickers was really good, especially if you uh, use Snickers creamer inside of it. It makes for uh, a great coffee. And so uh, I want to try this one, um, and this one is uh, its pretty good. I don't think it quite captures the flavor of the candy bar in the same way that the Snickers one does. Um, but, you know, mixed with, the, you know, uh, a creamer or one that has uh, flavors like a caramel or something that brings out the, the Twix flavor makes it uh, a pretty so- pretty solid addition. Um, that's available in in K-Cups. Uh, I think it's available at Walmart right now uh, and online. I don't know if it's like uh, available at other stores. Might be just starting there. But uh, yeah, it was pretty good. And then I also got uh, a Girl Scouts Thin Mints coffee. Uh, this is also in K-Cups. Um, of all places, uh, I had to go to Menards to find this, um, which was weird, you know, because I don't expect Menards, the hardware store, uh, to have lots of good grocery options. But here we are. And uh, <laughs> I was wondering um, what that was because I've never heard of Menards. Oh, maybe, oh I, actually, yeah, I forgot. Menard, yeah, Menards is, I guess it must be somewhat regional. It's like it's a hardware store chain here in the, the Midwest Gotcha. So, uh, but yeah, so they had uh, Girl Scouts Thin Mints uh, coffee, and I didn't even know this one was around. Um, but I had a while back, I had found the uh, coconut caramel Girl Scouts coffee, which is based on their Samoa cookies. Uh, and since that one was pretty good, and I love a good uh, chocolate mint flavor, I had to get this one. And uh, it's it's pretty good. It's not as good as like some of the other mint coffee options that I've had. I think that the the peppermint bark. Uh, donut shop coffee flavor probably has a stronger uh, mint flavor to it. But um, if you throw in some peppermint mocha creamer, then uh, you get a pretty good uh, chocolate mint coffee. So, uh, I'll, you know, I wasn't too upset about it. Okay. Um, so I also found something weird. Uh, I find a lot of weird things. This one I, just, I had not even heard of, and I stumbled upon it at Kroger, which is a grocery chain out here. Uh, but Kroger is like one of many different sister stores that go by a bunch of different names. So like if you go look up Kroger, you can go find out what their other sister stores are around the country. And like, they all carry the same things. Um, and this seems to be starting out at Kroger and spreading out. It's called Bowza or maybe more accurately Bowza because it is pizza stuffed bow buns. Okay. Yeah. So I've got to wrap my mind around that. So it's a, uh. it is a, it's a big bow bun. Um, maybe the size of like one that would fit in the palm of your hand and it's in the frozen section and it's filled with pizza. They have four different flavors. They have uh, margarita, Italian sausage, pepperoni and spinach cheese. And uh, so you, you put them in the microwave and they come in their own like steamer bag. So it steams them, you know, like you would steam a a bow bun. Uh, And then you can eat it like that if you want to. And it's a softer, uh, you know, chewier bow bun with pizza filling, or you can then pan fry it or, uh, toast it or air fry it. And so I put mine in the air fryer because I like to have a little bit of a crispy um, out, outer bun. And uh, these were pretty good. They're they're not, uh, you know, they're, they're, it's frozen food, so it's never going to be mind-blowing. Um, but it's better than like a, a, a pizza-flavored Hot Pocket or the, uh, the Stromboli that you normally get out of the freezer section. Um, it's not leaps and bounds better, but it's uh, the, the bow bun itself, even after you put in the air fryer to crisp it up a bit, the dough inside still stays 
uh, pretty soft. And the pizza ingredients inside uh, were had a pretty good flavor, too. So g- give it a shot because it, it was a new weird thing and I ended up liking it. <laughs> Okay, man, that is, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm thrown for a loop on that one. I just want to say um, one of the restaurants that I miss the most uh, after moving out of LA and back to Florida, because you can't really get a good bow around here. Yeah. Um, there's a, a restaurant called Bow in in Los Angeles, like the Hollywood-ish area. Um, so if you happen to be in that area, uh, if you're listening or, or Brad, if you make a, a work trip or anything like that, um, it might be worth going out of your way to, to get some food from this place. So, Good to know. Um, yeah, check it out. Uh, and I will say if you want to see, you know, get, get a look at some of these uh, items, you can check out uh, my look at Brad's junk Instagram uh, over there. It's at look at Brad's junk. I'm always posting about new soft drinks and snacks and stuff like that. Awesome. Uh, so co- to continue, uh, I tried a peanut butter and jams cappuccino that is available at 7-Eleven locations. Uh, As the title implies, it is a peanut butter and jam flavored cappuccino. (laughs) And uh, this one is definitely more of a rich flavor. Uh, It has a strong peanut butter flavor. They definitely get the jam in there. Uh, But it it definitely tastes like you're drinking a a thicker cappuccino. Um, I I still really like the flavor because I do love myself some peanut butter and jelly. And uh, I like different flavored cappuccinos like this. And this one, though, it's it was so filling and rich that I, I only got a medium size when I was driving somewhere and I only finished like half of it just because I was like, oh man, that's that's a lot. Wow. Uh, but the flavor is is very good if you do like uh, peanut butter and jelly. So uh, there's okay. also new Fruit Loops waffles in the freezer section. It's uh, Eggo waffles with a Fruit Loop flavor. There's uh, tiny little bits of Fruit Loops that are sprinkled throughout to give the, the waffle like a little bit of color pop. And I was curious because I wasn't sure how the Fruit Loops flavor would vibe with maple syrup, which is pretty much what everyone puts on waffles. Um, you know, unless you're a weird butter only person or <laughs> you, you go dry, which is just insane. That's what I do, Brad. <laughs> but uh, but the, surprisingly enough, the maple syrup actually does go pretty well with the Fruit Loops flavor. The Fruit Loops flavor, I, honestly, I think the Fruit Loops flavor isn't as strong as the Fruit Loops smell, um, but it's, it, it works pretty well. So if you're curious about those, yeah, give, give them a shot. There's also a, a marshmallow Coca-Cola, and not marshmallow as in the flavor, but marshmallow as in the uh, apparently like EDM DJ or something. This is something. <laughs> that, like, so apparently there's this popular EDM uh, DJ named Marshmallow. It's uh, Mar- Marsh M-E-L-L-O. Not yeah, like, I think I've seen this person's he, yeah, image. I don't know any of the... Uh, he got a helmet that looks kind of like a marshmallow, and it has like X's for eyes and a smiley face on it or something like that. But he did this team up with Coca-Cola because Coke's been doing this thing where they've been releasing uh, new flavors under their Coca-Cola Creations banner. Like, there's been one every like couple of months or so. And so this one is a strawberry watermelon-flavored Coca-Cola. And I wasn't necessarily too sure how like a fruit flavor like that would mesh well with the Coke flavor, since it's not one that, you know, doesn't really go with a lot except for like, uh, you know, cherry or, or vanilla. But uh, I, I honestly really enjoyed this. Um, the For me, you know, the zero sugar version wasn't necessarily as enjoyable, but most zero sugar soda options usually aren't. Uh, but the regular one, I felt like the, the, the fruit flavors mesh nicely with the, the regular cola flavor. So... That one's a, a limited time offering, and you, but you should be able to find it at like stores and gas stations. So, okay. Before we get into your last thing, Brad, this reminded me. Um, since you're more tapped into this world than I am, I have a question, yeah. and you might not know the answer. It might just be you know pandemic related uh, supply chain nonsense. 
why can't I find cherry Dr. Pepper anywhere? That's my favorite type of Dr. Pepper. And there's like diet cherry all over the place, but just pure cherry Dr. Pepper. None of the grocery stores around here have it. I went to like five or six different places and it's just not in stock anywhere. Is this a, is this a thing that you've heard about or am I just, uh, is it just weird in Northeast Florida for something? Uh, that's a good question. Actually. I, I'm willing to bet that it's probably uh, a shortage that that's happening. Maybe it's just proven not to be a popular offering in your area. So it doesn't <sighs> pop up so much. Cause like, uh, in my area, um, there are certain flavors of things that are harder to find. And so I think it's just a matter of maybe like them doing like market testing. And so if a lot of people aren't buying Cherry Dr. Pepper, maybe you don't get it as often. And it just like what limited stock they get is immediately gone. Ugh, heartbreaking. Yeah, if that's the case. Yeah, because and there's like certain flavors, too, that are like only available in certain regions. Like uh, there's a mango Fanta that is nowhere up here. But like if you go to like Florida or something like that, it's it's everywhere. Yeah, man. Well, I'll trade you some mango Fanta for cherry Dr. Pepper. Yeah. Hey, let's do it. Let's do a soda (laughs) trade. (laughs) Okay. What's the last thing you've been eating? Uh, The last thing I've been eating, uh, I will just tell you right off the bat, it's awful. Uh, Mm. It is just bad, 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 bad. It's the the rat race of foods I've tried lately. (laughs) Uh, Because it has an ensemble cast and there's a lot of terrible things in it. Uh, So Brock's... Uh, they've come out with some weird flavors of stuff before. Um, previously, they did, they've done a Thanksgiving dinner uh, package of candy corn that was stuff like turkey and gravy and cranberry and green beans. Uh, they also did a taco truck jelly bean bag, uh, which had um, salsa and guacamole and taco meat and was bad. This is another terrible idea, but it's just one of those things where I'm just so curious how they get a flavor in like a piece of jelly bean or candy corn that I just had to try. And it's tailgate candy corn from Brock's and the flavors. So at first they start off, you know, like stuff that you think would be reasonable. They have a a vanilla ice cream one. They have a a fruit punch one and they have a popcorn one. And those are all fine. Those are on par with like some jelly belly flavors. They're, they're fine. But then because it's tailgate, uh, they also have hot dog and hamburger. Oh no. Oh no, doesn't even begin to cover the atrocity of these two pieces of candy corn. These two candy flavors are some, are, are the some of the worst things I have ever tasted. Uh, I, I have a radio show that I do like every other Tuesday uh, with my friend Ben called Ben Bread and Beyond. It's on a local radio station, but it also streams on Facebook. And uh, if you want to see just our, our terrible reaction, you can go to uh, WIMS on Facebook, uh, 95.1, I think it is. And uh, we did this uh, on the air and immediately it like had us gagging and we had to spit it out. <laughs> it, it, the, the taste, the hot dog one tastes like somebody chewed up hot dog and left it out at room temperature and let it harden. And the hamburger one is roughly the same thing with maybe like a hint of ketchup. (laughs) It's just, it is, it is, it was way worse than I even anticipated. It was just God awful. Uh, yeah. And I just, I, I don't, sometimes I don't know why I put myself through these things. (laughs) Like I, I, you know, I know the outcome, but, uh, yeah, it is punishing, punishing. Well, are, so that's it for the uh, the flavors. Then there aren't any. Yeah, others. that's that's it. Those that was those are all five of them, and those were the worst. 
man. Well, that's unfortunate that it sounds like those other ones were like at least okay, but then they're con- completely contaminated by the hot dog and hamburger. So. Yeah. And honestly, the other three like aren't even like good enough for you to like get the bag and be like, oh, I'll just eat these. Because uh, mm. like the fruit punch, you can honestly just go have a cherry starburst and you're like, that's great. And the, the vanilla can- candy corn one doesn't taste remarkably different from regular candy corn. So uh, candy corn is terrible in general. Uh, I, I, you know, I'm interested in these unique, unique flavors, but man, these, these flavors overpower what, whatever terrible normal taste candy corn has and just, uh, just don't do it. Don't do it. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, that's a, that's a warning to all, all the listeners out there. Uh, yeah, that's going to bring us to the end of today's episode of the show. You can find more about a lot of the stuff that we talked about at SlashFilm.com. Um, I'm going to link to a couple things in the show notes. SlashFilmDelia is published every weekday, bringing you the most exciting news from the world of movies and TV, as well as deeper dives into the great features you can find on the site. Actually, I should pause. I say it's published every weekday. I think Peter's going to be out of town tomorrow, so I'm not sure if we're going to have an episode tomorrow. If I have time, um, I would love to record one, but uh, we'll have to see how it goes. So just prepare yourself if Uh, one doesn't pop up in your feed that's why Uh, you can subscribe to the show on apple podcasts google podcasts overcast spotify all the popular podcast apps and send your feedback questions comments and concerns to us at peter at slash home.com make sure to leave your name and general geographic location in case we mention your email on the air don't forget to rate and review the show on apple podcasts tell your friends spread the word thanks for listening and we will talk to you next time for the ones who know safety isn't a catchphrase it's a culture and the ones who help make sure everyone makes it home safe. For the safety-minded who watch everyone's backs, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as safety assessments and training to keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.